0: time in there, and the end end of the book of Malachi, the end of chapter 4, it really ends with a curse. It ends with God telling his people that judgment's coming, Uh, and you've got 400 years of silence, and then Matthew opens with the birth and lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the people in Malachi's day. They've been set free from Babylonian captivity somewhere uh, in the uh, 70 to 80 year mark. Uh, they've been free for about 70 to 80 years. You've got uh, contemporaries of Malachi, of Nehemiah, and Ezra, and the rebuilding of everything that's going on there. Uh, we don't have time to develop all of that, but it's an interesting study, nevertheless. Uh, so, what's going on as we uh, read these chapters? Uh, uh, could. if we have time, we could start at chapter 1, verse 1, and read through uh, chapter 4 and get the entire context of the book, but I didn't want to do that to you tonight. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to stand here and hear myself talk for that long. So uh, I'll try to be merciful to you. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, when you take the overarching uh, idea of the book of Malachi, really, uh, there is a, a question that is being asked, or two questions that are being asked. And but keep his promise. We owe the Lord be faithful to what he said he was going to do. Now think back. When the Lord delivered his people Israel out of Babylonian captivity, he promised them prosperity. He promised them land. He promised them authority. He promised them all of these things and it hadn't come to pass yet. The questions being asked is God going to keep his he word? If you read through Malachi, you're going to find that there are two groups of people. There are those that declare that Jehovah isn't worth following because uh, the righteous aren't being rewarded for their faithfulness and the wicked aren't being punished for their sin. If you read through Malachi, you'll find that sin is rampant among the people of God. They were, uh, they were unfaithful in their marriages. They had been uh, regarding the holy days and the sacrifices like they should have uh, even down to the priest or the preachers uh, that were among the people. They were committing adultery and all of these different sins uh, that were going on. The fall into. We fall into the category of it just doesn't seem fair. We're trying to be faithful, trying to serve God, the church isn't growing, ministry's struggling along, it don't make any sense, such and such down the road, has got all this going on, and such and such over here, that they seem to be doing well and prospering, or are we those that the Lord's faithful? We're going to keep following Him, we're going to keep trusting Him. No matter what it looks like, He's the one that produces the results. Not you, not me. It's in the midst of all of this. If you uh, if you go back into chapter two and verse number seventeen, the Lord says "He says you have wearied the Lord with your words. You say, Where have we wearied him when you say everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? Chapter number three really is the response. The verses that we've read, these first six verses, they're the response that the Lord gives to those that are making these accusations against Him. There's those that are saying, well, the Lord's not judging like He should. He's not upholding His righteousness like He should. Evil is abounding. And the Lord responds, Immutability means never changing. Is that a simple definition for that 50 cent word? I just heard somebody say he's never changing because I can understand that pretty there. <laughs> it isn't that the Lord decided, oh, I'm not going to change my mind about this. It's, no, it's deeper than that. It's not that he doesn't change, it's that he can. and the weather's going to get cool and I'm thanking God for that. I'm tired of the heat. We left 103 degree weather to come to 89 degree weather. I was happy. We were all in Cincinnati and it was in the 80s instead of 100. I was thrilled. Y'all would probably miserable in the 89 <laughs> But I was thrilled to have something that didn't say 100 when I was in my truck. I was so happy. Change is inevitable. Change. Sometimes there's good change. I love the time there's that. But there's one thing that remains the same. The Lord never changes. Amen. He's not changed by politics. He's not changed by uh, feelings. He's not changed by circumstances. He's the same. Amen. And we can trust Him right. tonight. If you don't get nothing else out of what I say for the next hour and 27 minutes, <laughs> I want you to get this. can trust the Lord. You can trust the Let me give you three things I believe that these verses we read tell us about the Lord and about the reality that He is never changing. Number one, I believe these verses tell us the person of God is never changing. The person. that before. It was still cool. Well, I've seen it so it wasn't that cool. But I've never been to the creation museum. So we went in there and that planetarium thing and uh, they show you all those stars and all that stuff. And then they remind you of this. That all the scriptures account for all of these millions and billions of stars. And he made the stars also. You ever thought about that? You are nothing. I'm going to be rude to you but you're nothing but a dirtbag. That's what we are. That's what you are. We are but dust. In earthen vessels, the word earthen vessel and dirt literally means dirt day. What do you mean? It mad at me? it might have, have God? <laughs> of all of these millions and billions of stars that are out there, he measured them with a span and flung his hand out and there's all these stars. And yet, of the seven billion people that occupy planet Earth, God knows your name. He's got the hairs upon your head number. No. He's orchestrated your body so it breathes on its own. You're not sitting there thinking, okay, heart, you got to beat. And you got to beat. Your heart beat that slow as you did. You're not sitting there thinking, all right, eyeballs, you got to blink. Lungs, you got to move. No. Uh-huh. God. Find you the way you are on purpose for a purpose. He's revealed himself to be the creator of all things. He's revealed himself to be the sustainer of all things. Colossians make that makes it very plain that by him all things were made that are made, and that without him John says that by him were all things made that are made, without him was not anything made that was made. And then Colossians says that it's by him that all things consist. There right. is the idea of putting things together. He's creator. He's revealed himself to be not only creator but Lord authority. Rightful authority. We sometimes use the word in church circles sovereign. And in the Bible, it's not the Bible, by the way, but the doctrine is true. Yeah. The idea of the word sovereign or sovereignty literally means that the Lord has rightful authority. because he's worried to death over the political scene in Russia, Ukraine, or America. No, 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 no. The Lord revealed Himself to be in control of everything. God had to have to trust. Not only is his person never changing, but number two, his proclamations are never changing. Proclamations. The name Malachi means my messenger. Whose messenger? Messenger of God. It's his job to do, to say what the Lord had told him to say. How you're going to find that the phrase, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord said, is used 25 times. It's safe to say, I ain't real smart, but it's safe to say that the Lord didn't speaking to his people here in Malachi. In fact, what we read is the Lord responding to the claims that the people made. God had an answer for every accusation that they made. They said, You're not keeping your word. God said, I will operate on my timetable. My purpose is still going to be accomplished. They said, You let sin run rampant. God said, Don't you worry, there's coming a day where sin will be judged forever. sure worked. I promise. tell us of the love of God. This really in each chapter chapter 1 and chapter 2. He's telling us of judgment. Is He not? He's responding to the people of them saying, well, uh, in the eyes of God that the sinners are righteous and the righteous are and everything's backwards. What it says in chapter 2, verse 17, what it says in chapter 2, verse 17. The Lord responds, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me Now the Lord whom you seek shall come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The word, behold, it carries the idea of to stop, to look at, to consider. It carries the idea of to fix your eye. verse is uh, telling us it is a direct prophecy of the coming of the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. It says, I will prepare my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3 bears the same reality. If you're familiar with Mark's gospel, Mark 1, from Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, as well as Luke chapter 1, uh, directly correlates the coming of John and the proclamation of John as being the forerunner of the one that was to go before carried the idea of in that day when a one was importance and royalty and significance Come into a city, that forerunner would go and they would make sure that everything was perfect and in order. They would fill in the potholes. They would make the way straight. They would make sure everything was ready. And they would say, Now oh, there's one coming. The king's coming. The king's coming. That was their only job. Well, John's job was to say, The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah, is coming. The Messiah is coming. And there came a day where he stood on the banks of Jordan and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I wonder tonight, when the Lord prophesied this in Malachi 3, did it come to pass? Absolutely. it did. John was a real man that really existed. Was he not? That really did everything that God said he was going to do. But let me go a step further. The Lord doesn't just prophesy to us tonight concerning John. He prophesies here to us concerning Jesus. And He presents uh, Jesus for the Lord Jesus, you know that oftentimes the first and second coming are mingled together uh, in their uh, declarations and He presents the Lord Jesus as this righteous judge that is one day going to judge sin. Let me say this to us tonight. One day the Lord Jesus is the righteous judge of all the earth. We all judge sin. He's not slack concerning His promises. He judges on time. And it's a righteous and perfect judgment. Let me say this also. If you're here tonight and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Scripture is very plain. That ye are yet hidden your sins. That judgment abides upon you presently. And there is going to come a day that every bit of wrath and every bit of judgment that you deserve because of your sin is going to be poured out upon you. And you're going to spend forever in the lake of fire. Because the wages is it, sin is death. Spiritual death, physical death, and one day eternal death it is un- inescapable. The scriptures are found as a one the man wants to die after this, the judgment. There are those that will tell us that all we got to do is live and die. Not have fear. I don't know about you, but the judgment of God sounds awful scary yeah, to me. Let me tell you. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall come suddenly to His temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, He. One declares for us the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. His messenger shall come to declare the, many, he calls him the messenger of the covenant. If you're familiar with scripture, you know that there is a new covenant Hebrews talks about. And it is for the people of God and it is made between God and the Lord Jesus Christ that he would come, that he would die for his people, that he'd be buried, and he'd be risen covenant of His blood. That's how the Scriptures define it. How in the world are we to not have fear in the midst of judgment? All because we that are saved by God's grace have escaped judgment. Oh, I don't know about you, but if I was in Noah's shoes and I was the away for over a hundred years building the ark and that first drop of rain fell, I would say, said, thank God I can run into the like Rahab in the days of Joshua and I'd have heard the soldiers marching around the wall and as that thing started to crumble I'd have been clinging to that scarlet cord tighter than I ever had and I'd have been saying thank God I've got a promise that judgment is not coming. Oh, we'd have been like those in Exodus and the Lord said, the death angel's coming. you got to apply the blood of the doorpost and the lintel. And when that night came, and the screaming and the wailing came with the death of, that, of those firstborn. And we were in that house covered in that blood. We could have said, thank God that death isn't coming here. Thank God we've escaped judgment. Thank God tonight. If you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have no need to fear the judgment that comes for you all of the judgment all of the wrath that you deserved for your sin, for your iniquity, for your rebellion, thank God, was poured out on Jesus Christ all You, go, you ever watch some of those gold rush shows that they do in Alaska, some of the fakest junk I've ever seen in my entire life? But it's entertaining isn't it, to watch these crazy people go up in the middle of nowhere and get gold out. There? I don't know why that's entertaining. <laughs> I watch it too, it came to me too. I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> what they do is they take all of this gold, you ever looked at it, you ever looked at gold? It's that gold, what we call golden colors, but it's got these little black specks. These impurities when it comes out of the ground. They take all of this gold, they collect it together, and they take it to a refiner. And that refiner, what he does is he puts it in this oven at this right temperature that's going to melt this gold down into a liquid. And they take that liquid gold out of that furnace and they pour it into a mold. And well, when they pour it into that bowl, the impurities that were in a minute ago, they all float to the top and they're able to take it away. And then when the, when the molding process is over, you've got what they call pure gold. That's the picture that the Lord gives of purifying His people. We call it sanctification. Okay. Let me say this very plainly tonight. You and I are to be called world. Mm-hmm. We live in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Right. There are those that would say, well, we are right with God and we are holy because we check off this certain box of standards. Let me say this. Biblical holiness doesn't start with the external, it starts with the internal. We yeah. right. say that again. Biblical holiness doesn't start with the external, it starts with the internal and if you get the internal clean the the external will soon follow thereafter we shouldn't look like the world shouldn't talk like the world shouldn't live like the world why? because we are not of this world we are of another world we have been born from above that's what the scripture says I don't know about y'all and I'm not old so I don't know why I think about death but I do I don't know what's wrong, I can't, I don't know what's wrong There's a lot wrong with me, evidently. I, I like watching people pretend to make go get get out of the ground, and I think about dying. There's, there's something real wrong with me, evidently. But I think about dying, and particularly I think about heaven. I mean, you ever think about heaven? What all that's going to be like? I mean, you going to get to walk on a straight and gold? That's going to be pretty cool. You're going to see walls of gas burning. There's going to be some gates of earth. There's going to be a wall so big and so encompassing of this city, can't nobody get in and can't nobody get out. There's going to be some trees there with all the twelve manner of fruit and all. There's going to be people that have gone on before and Lord. They're all going to be there. in your life is going to be made right and complete yep. say what's the purpose of God in my life preacher you don't know what I'm going through no I don't but this I can tell you if you believe upon Jesus Christ uh, hold on wait a minute the purpose of God is to make you like Jesus and believe it or not you may not see it and you may struggle through it but there's coming a day where you're going to be made like him Amen. Amen. oh what a day that's going It had entered into the heart of the eye I hadn't seen, and it ain't entered the heart of man what God prepared for him. doesn't want to uh, fall into temptation and struggle. Uh, There ought to be something in us that wants to strive after perfection and strive after holiness. The people of God, Jacob, were not concerned because God wasn't done with them yet. Mm -hmm. We've escaped judgment tonight not by accident not by happenstance. You didn't just get lucky. And escape judgment, not you escape judgment on purpose, for a purpose. God rescued you for a reason tonight. Say, so what's, what's our response to all of this? We may not always know what, or why, or how the Lord is doing something in our lives, but we can rest assured tonight. give you this. I really am done. Is, I promise Look In chapter 3, verse number 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him, before him that feared the Lord and that fought upon his name. There's a lot of debate as to what this book of remembrance is or what it was. A lot of Writers and commentators think it was a lot like the Chronicles. Where they just categor- a, a catalog, if you will, the acts and performances of God. I, I would fall in line with that most likely. What I want you to see here is this. People spoke often one to another. What they talk about. This fact. For I am the Lord. I change.
1: When they were down at the coffee shop up the field, and they were telling each other all their
0: problems, somewhere along the way in the conversation, one of them said, hold on, wait a minute. We can trust Jehovah. It's going to be alright. When it seemed like there was more money than or more money and it didn't make any sense, one of them said to the other, it's alright. We can trust Jehovah. Oh, it got so big that they wrote a book about it. It got so grand and so glorious, they recorded it. And they were able to go back and they were able to see. You remember. They were able to talk to one another and say, you remember when that